Good morning, everybody. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. I, I, I was actually asking you to respond. Let's try again. Happy Easter. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Hey, it's great to have you guys here today as we get a chance to celebrate uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we're so excited about that. Uh, my name is Tony. I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Grace. And uh, I do just want to extend a special welcome to you, especially if you are a guest with us here today. And so if it's your first time here at Grace or it's your first time here in a while, uh, we're really, really excited that you're here. And not just because it's Easter. Uh, that of course, alone is enough reason to be excited. Uh, but actually, I'm also excited you're here because today we are beginning a brand new conversation that we're going to be in together for the next six weeks that we are calling If Jesus Rose from the Dead. And so, so like I said, this is a, a conversation or a sermon series that's going to last for six weeks. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're a person that's kind of investigating Grace Church, trying to figure out Grace Church, I'd actually encourage you to lock in uh, for the duration of this series. We oftentimes say a new series is the best opportunity to get to know the church. And so within six weeks, it'll give you a chance not only just to hear this whole conversation, but it'll also give us a chance to get to know you, hopefully, and you uh, a chance to get to know us. And so we would, would love to do that. But let me just kind of explain to you a little bit what we're going to be doing in this series, in this conversation together. So I think, I think the, the, the title of the series kind of says it all. Uh, but what we're going to be doing is we're going to be exploring together uh, this question, right? If Jesus rose from the dead then what are the implications of that, right? If Jesus, if Jesus really did raise from the dead, if he did, like what are the implications? What does that actually change? What difference does that actually make? In fact, if we could reword the question, here'd be maybe another way that you would say it. If Jesus rose from the dead, right, here's the question, so what, All right, so, so what? If he rose from the dead, like what difference does that actually make in our real life? What difference does that make in your real life, in, in the lives that we, we live day to day? Now, now, let me just explain to you why I'm so excited about this conversation and why I believe that this question, as simple as it may seem, is so relevant and so worth your consideration, okay? And, and here, here's kind of why. Because whether or not you believe that Jesus rose from the dead or not, right? And I know s many of us might believe that and some of us maybe don't believe that in this room. Wh whether you believe that or not, uh, I think that for many, 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 many people, the way that we sometimes approach Easter or the way we approach the resurrection is that sometimes we approach that the same way that we approach other controversial historical events and facts, right? And here's what I mean by that. If you can think of other controversial historical facts, some people believe them, some people don't, the way we approach them is we tend to think this. Some people believe that, some people don't believe that, but at the end of the day, what difference does it really make in your life, right? Whether you believe it or not, does it actually change anything in your real life? So let me give you a couple examples of what I'm talking about, all right? So before we even talk about do you believe if Jesus rose from the dead or didn't raise from the dead, let, let me just kind of give you a few examples of some other controversial historical events that happened, and let me just let you vote, okay? So you can just vote whether you think this actually happened or didn't actually happen, all right? So let's just give you a few examples. Here's the first one. How many of you would say you accept, you believe that Neil Armstrong landed on the moon in July 20th, 1969? Show of hands. How you would say, yep, I believe that, I accept that. Okay, the vast majority of us in this room would say we're on board for that. Now, some of you know that's actually kind of controversial. There's a whole conspiracy theory out there that maybe he didn't land on the moon, maybe it was all fabrication, like there's documentaries on Netflix and that kind of thing about the whole thing. All right, here, here's the next one. How many of you would say you accept, you believe, 
Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492. You're like, yep, I have no reason to not believe that. All right, good, good, many of us believe that. This next one, maybe a little bit harder to believe. Uh, this one here, how many of you would say that you believe that the Cleveland Browns actually did win an NFL national championship in 1964, right? Now notice I said won a championship, not won a game. Won a championship. How many of you would say you, all right, very little of you, maybe like five of you, when it's a little harder to believe, right? Okay, so, but that, that is the thing. All right, here, here's another one. This is maybe for some of you who are children of the 90s. How many of you would believe that Tupac is no longer with us as of September 7th, 1996? How many of you believe that Tupac is now? If you don't know the story behind that, some people believe that Tupac faked his death and maybe he's still alive, so okay. All right, but most of us would say, okay, he's probably not with us anymore. I'll give you one more. This is an obscure historical fact, but it is a historical fact. Did you know that the hokey pokey, you know, that annoying dance uh, you do at wedding receptions and stuff, it actually originally was called the hokey cokey. Did you know that? that? That it actually is something that was established as a British folk dance before it moved here to America, and it originally was called the hokey Koki. My guess is some of you guys didn't know that, but how many of you would say that, okay, yeah, I could probably believe that. I guess that's something that would didn't surprise me, right? Okay, so some of us would probably, some of you just don't trust me, right? But, uh, but here's some, so here's the point. Some of you are like, what is the point? Right, well, here's the point, okay? The point is that here's some stuff that a lot of people believe, the vast majority of people believe, some people don't believe, right? They're controversial historical things. But at the end of the day, the big question is, so what? Right? Now, whether you believe it or you don't believe it, aside, what, what difference does it actually make in your life? Right? So, 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 for example, if I asked you, if I said, hey, how often in a given day do you find yourself thinking about Tupac? Right? <laughs> My guess is you'd be like, not all that often. Right? If, I, if I said to you, like if I, if I came to you and I said, hey, you know what, those things that we talked about that are commonly accepted as historically viable things, if I told you, hey, you know what, those things actually didn't happen in the way that you think they happened, right? Like if I told you we actually have evidence that Neil Armstrong did not land on the moon, that it all was a fabrication, now what would that do to you? Well, you'd probably find it interesting, but let's just be honest, it's not actually going to change the way you live your life. Right? It's not going to change the way you parent your kids. It's not going to change the way you approach your marriage, you approach relationships. It's not going to change the way that you order your calendar, the values you pursue in life, the job opportunities you pursue. It's not going to change those things in your life because let's just be honest. These are isolated historical events. Some people believe they happen. Some people don't. But at the end of the day, they're relatively unrelated to our day-to-day lives. Like just a minute ago, I told you that the hokey pokey was originally the hokey cokey, right? M many of you didn't know that, but my guess is that when I said that, you weren't like, oh my gosh, like my whole world just came crumbling in. Like I just had an existential crisis because the hokey pokey, like that's what I built my whole life around. That's what it was all about, right? <laughs> I put my whole self in. I heard the hokey pokey, I turned myself around, and now you know, I was like, hokey pokey, and no one's doing that, right? Why, why aren't you doing that? Well, because it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, it's still an annoying song, right? And it doesn't really change. Now, here's, here's what I'm driving at. I think for many people, even for some of us who would say we believe in the resurrection, that we view Easter the same way, uh, that we look at it as an isolated historical event, some people believe it and some people don't. But at the end of the day, it doesn't actually really change anything 
about the way that we live our lives, doesn't change the way that we do marriage, doesn't change the way that we do relationships, doesn't change the way that we order our calendars, the way that we drive our cars, doesn't change anything. In fact, for some of us, if I said, how often do you think about the resurrection of Jesus? Some of us might say, but honestly, maybe once a year when we get together here, right? And so the question, this is why I'm so excited about this series. The question that we're gonna be investigating together is this idea, if Jesus rose from the dead, then so what? What difference does it actually make in our lives? What are the implications of the resurrection? You see, because here's the thing, and this probably comes as no surprise to you. Here at Grace Church, we actually believe that the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that Easter, is not just some isolated historical event that has no real bearing on your life. We actually believe that the resurrection of Jesus Christ has huge, life-changing, far-reaching implications, that it changes everything, changes everything. And we believe that if Jesus rose from the dead, well, that means something big. And, and so for the next several weeks, I think you're gonna be surprised, for the next six weeks, we're gonna kind of talk through what are the implications of a resurrection. If he rose, if he rose, what does that mean? And so we're excited about doing that together. Now, one other quick thing I wanna mention you notice that the series is called If Jesus Rose from the Dead. If Jesus Rose from the Dead. And here, here's why I love that title. Uh, if you're a person who is skeptical about the resurrection, so if you're someone who doesn't necessarily believe that the resurrection happened, like I, I get that there's probably many people in this room that would say, yeah, I believe that the resurrection happened. But I also understand that there's some of us who are here today that are skeptical of that. Some of you maybe are, are people that are investigating the whole Jesus thing. Maybe you're not a church person or you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe someone invited you here today or maybe you lost a bet, right? I don't know uh, the story of everyone in here. But here's the cool thing. If you're skeptical about this, in this series, I'm actually not asking you to believe it. Not yet. I'm actually just asking you, would you be open to the possibility that if he did, what would that mean? What would that mean? What are the implications of that? So that's what we're gonna be processing together through for the next several weeks. So today, as we begin this series, we begin this conversation, we wanna talk about one, one implication of the resurrection, if Jesus rose from the dead. And here, here's the question that we're gonna be exploring with the rest of our time together today. If Jesus rose from the dead, well, then what does that say about Jesus? Okay, so I wanna I want just think this through together today. If Jesus did raise from the dead, let's just process this together. If he did, what does that say about Jesus? And subsequently, what does that mean for you? And what does that mean for me and for our lives today? And so to, to explore this, I wanna invite you to grab your Bibles with me. If you got them, why don't you get your Bibles and let's go ahead and go together to Luke chapter 24. Okay, so Luke 24 is where I wanna invite you to grab your Bibles and go with me here today. And actually, uh, Luke 24, if you, if, you got, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, you can actually get one of our Bibles. We have those black hardback Bibles that are in the chairs. So you can feel free to grab one of those turn to page 738. That's where you're going to find Luke chapter 24. And then let me just say too, that if you're a guest with us here today and you do not own a physical copy of the Bible, we would actually love for you to have one. So you can just take one of those, uh, make it a gift from us to you. So happy Easter. You can just take one of our Bibles. Okay. So Luke 24, however you get there, we'll meet you there. And then let me just tell you too, a little bit of background here. Uh, Luke, the book of Luke, or it's sometimes called the gospel of Luke. The reason it's called that is because it's written by this guy named Luke. Okay. Now Luke, just to give you a little bit on him, he actually was a historian and he was a doctor. And so what he's writing is actually kind of a biography, right? It's a biography of the life of Jesus. And the events that we're going to see here in Luke 24 are actually the events of the very, very first Easter. 
So this all happens on the day that Jesus allegedly rose from the dead. All right, so let's take a look at this together. We're going to start off in verse 13. I'll put the, the words up on the screen. If you want to follow that way, you can do that as well. So here we go. Verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. All right, so let's just go ahead and pause there for a second. Let me just give you a little bit of context as to what's going on. So notice the Bible says, Luke says that, that this was that same day. Now, what day are we talking about? Well, I just mentioned to you the day that he's referring to here is this is the same day that Jesus allegedly rose from the dead. So this is the very first Easter. This is what we're celebrating today and remembering today is this day, this, this same day, okay? So, so here we go. So the Bible says that same day, that first Easter, two of them, there's two, two people, were going to a village called Emmaus. Okay, so now Luke, notice he introduces us to these two individuals. He just says here, two of them. That's all he says. Now, here's the thing. We actually know very little about these two individuals. The Bible doesn't give us a lot on them. But let me tell you what we do know. Okay, so just to kind of establish some of the characters. Here's what we know. We know that there was two of them. We know that both of them were disciples of Jesus. So we know that. In fact, some of you might have translations, and your translation might say, that day, two disciples were walking to Emmaus. And so we know that they were disciples. Now, now by the way, disciples, I know that sounds like kind of a churchy word. The word disciple literally just means student, or it means a learner. So these were, these were just students. They were, they were followers of Jesus. That's what they were. So we know that. We know that they were, uh, they were disciples. The other thing that we know about them is we actually know one of their names. So later on, we're going to find out that only one of them is actually named. His name is Cleopas. The other one is never named. We don't know the name of the, the second person. And then here's the only other thing we know about them. We know where they were going and where they were coming from. So the Bible says that they were walking to a town called Emmaus. They were going to a little town called Emmaus. Now, Emmaus was this very obscure little town, and it was about seven miles from Jerusalem. So they were going from, they were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, which was about seven miles away. Now, just to give you some kind of like frame of reference, seven miles, walking seven miles would be like walking from here, like where we are right now, to like the Medina Square. Okay, so if you can imagine that, Medina Square is a little over seven miles, but that would probably take you and I about two hours, two and a half hours by foot. So not, not terribly far, but also not terribly close, right? So the Bible says that they're walking. Now, why are they walking to Emmaus? Well, it's interesting. The Bible's actually going to give us indication later that most likely the reason they're walking to Emmaus is because that's where they're from. They're most likely walking home. They're probably from Emmaus, okay? So that's what we know about these people. We know their disciples, we know one of their names, we know they're walking home to Emmaus, which was a seven-mile walk from Jerusalem. Now watch this. The Bible says they were talking with each other about everything that happened. Verse 15, as they talked and they discussed these things with each other, this is just so cool, Jesus himself came up and he walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. All right, now, can we just acknowledge for a moment that this has to be maybe one of the coolest scenes in the entire Bible? So here you have these, these two disciples. The Bible says they're walking home to Emmaus. And on the day that Jesus raises from the dead, he himself comes and begins walking alongside of them. But what's really fascinating is the Bible says that they were kept from recognizing him. Now, it's, the Bible doesn't give us any uh, indication of how he did that. The Bible doesn't tell us how Jesus was able to mask his identity from them. We don't know if there maybe was some kind of supernatural component to this or whatever. But the Bible says that they didn't recognize that it was him. 
And I just got to tell you, man, I just think, I just think this has got to be one of the coolest scenes in the entire Bible. Just think about this for a minute. The day that Jesus rose from the dead, one of the things that he decided to do was go on a seven-mile hike with these two, let's just be honest, kind of obscure people to this kind of obscure town. Two, two and a half hour, two hour walk, seven mile walk with these guys. I mean, there's so many other things he could have done on the day that he rose, but he prioritized this. Now check this out. So Jesus comes up to him and he asked him, what are you discussing? What are you talking about as you guys are walking together? And then their reaction says they stood still with their faces downcast. Now, I want you just to pay attention to this little detail here of their reaction, because I think that this little detail is actually very significant. And here's what I mean. Notice the Bible says that when Jesus comes up to them, Jesus asks them, he says, what are you guys talking about? What, what's the topic matter? And the Bible says that when he asked that question, that it caused them to stop in their tracks. They were walking and then they stopped. Jesus says, what are you guys talking about? They stopped. And the Bible says that they were unable to hide their emotional expression. Their faces were downcast. And by the way, the word downcast there, it's actually a really powerful word in the original Greek language that the, that the uh, New Testament was written. And it literally means, the word downcast literally means a grim face. It means to have a stern or gloomy countenance. That's what it literally means. Okay, so, this is a, so, so, so the reason I think this is important is, have you guys ever had a time in your life when there was something that was so difficult to you, something that was so disappointing, something that was so heartbreaking, so raw and fresh, that when someone asked you about it, that it stopped you in your tracks. Did you ever have something like that before? Did you guys ever have something where when someone asked you about it, you couldn't hide your expression, you couldn't hide your emotion because it, it was so disappointing and it was so devastating to you? See, and I think if, if you can think about something like that, it helps you understand that for these two disciples here, that the, the death of Jesus Christ was not just some small deal to them, right? This wasn't just some event that took place that showed up on their newsfeed that they thought was interesting. This was personal to them. This was personal. This was deeply, deeply disappointing to them. So watch what happens. One of them named Cleopas. Okay, so I told you one of the disciples is named, and the Bible tells us that his name was Cleopas. So here you have Jesus, and you have Cleo, right? Let's call him Cleo. I'm pretty sure that's what his friends probably would have called him. So we'll just call him that. So you have Jesus and Cleopas, Cleo, and then the other disciple, like I mentioned, is never named. You never get the name of the other disciple. But here's what I think is interesting. Commentators actually point out that there's actually reasonable evidence to, to kind of believe that most likely this was actually a man and his wife, and so these two disciples would have been then Cleopas and then his wife. And so here you have Jesus and you have Cleo and then you would have had like, Miss Cleo, right? So you have all three of them there together. It's terrible. So, so the Bible says Cleopas asks him, he says, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days, okay? So, so Cleopas goes to Jesus and goes, man, you haven't heard? Like, where have you been? And I love Jesus. Jesus just continues to kind of play dumb. What things? Yes, what things are you talking about? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet. He was powerful in word and deed before God and before all the people. Now, now I just want you to notice with me here. I think that this verse 19 has got to set up for us maybe, maybe one of the most ironic scenes in the entire Bible. Here you have two disciples who followed Jesus who thought that Jesus was dead now, 
who were talking to the alive Jesus, who they didn't know was Jesus, about Jesus. I mean, you can't, you can't make this stuff up, right? So, so, so Jesus is like, what are you guys talking about? Like, you haven't heard? He's like, heard about what? And they're like, Jesus. And so Jesus is like, hmm, tell me about him. He sounds really fascinating. Huh. <laughs> sounds like a cool guy, you know? I want to know about him. And then check this out. Here is what these people, these disciples of Jesus, who, who think that, they're, that Jesus is dead, say to the alive Jesus about a dead Jesus, right? And so here's, here's what they said. They said, oh, yeah, Jesus, he was a prophet, a prophet. You guys know what a prophet is, right? Prophet is a person who has some kind of spiritual authority, some kind of unique spiritual insight. That's what a prophet is, right? They said, man, he was a prophet. He was powerful in word. In other words, man, he was, a, he was an awesome teacher, spellbinder, man. People would gather in just massive audiences to hear this guy talk. He was incredible. He was powerful. More powerful indeed. In other words, he did some amazing stuff. Man, this one time he turned water into wine. Everyone loved that. You know, he, there was crowd, he fed crowds of people. He healed people, right? He would heal people. I mean, he did these amazing things. And so, so here's what I want you to notice. Here's what these disciples of Jesus would say about a dead Jesus. Clearly, he was a prophet of some type. He was a great teacher. He was a humanitarian. And what's so fascinating is, if you notice, those are the same things that many people today would say about Jesus. In fact, many of you, maybe today, if I asked you, tell me, what do you think about Jesus? And you'd probably say some of the same stuff. You'd be like, well, clearly, there was something special about the guy, right? Maybe he was a prophet, had some kind of unique spiritual insight, some kind of religious guru, right? He was a great teacher, man. Jesus was an awesome teacher. He was a humanitarian. Like, he was such a humanitarian, amazing things for people, right? And so these, these, these disciples say these things to Jesus about Jesus. Then they go on. They said, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Now, now, I want you to zoom in here for a moment on this sentence right here. If this is not the most ironic scene in the Bible, this is certainly the most ironic statement in the entire Bible right here. Because I want you to notice what they said. They said, oh, man, they crucified him. They killed him. They killed Jesus. But then notice, but we had hoped. We had hoped. And by the way, if you can understand this word, hope, I think you can start to understand why they were so sad, why they were so disappointed, why they were so downcast. Why? Well, because they had put their hope in Jesus. See, they, they had hoped that he would be the redeemer. They had hoped that he would be the one that would save them, that he would be the Messiah. They had hoped that he was more than a prophet. They had hoped that he was more than a teacher. They hoped that he was more than a humanitarian. And when Jesus died, their hopes died with him. And so now they're sad and they're walking home what the Bible says. But, but here's the, the deep, deep, deep irony of this statement. And if you're a follower of Jesus here today, you can totally see it because here's what they said. They crucified him, but we hoped he was the redeemer. They crucified him, but we hoped he was the Messiah. They crucified him, but we hoped he would save us. You see, if you're a follower of Christ, you understand that the hope of Christianity is that because he died, because of his crucifixion, we're saved. By his wounds, we are healed. And I can't help but imagine that when Jesus heard that, 
Maybe he just smirked. Maybe he just smiled because he knew. He knew what was going on. So check out this next part. They said, and what's more? I love, I love these disciples. They're like, and what's more? It's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. Some of you have different translations. It says, some of our women astonished us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. His body wasn't there. Then they came and they told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and they found it just like the women said, but they did not see Jesus. All right, now, I, I love this. Here's these disciples. They're like, they're like, man, you know, we were hoping, we really hoped that he was the Messiah, but then he was crucified. And they said, and here's the crazy thing. They're like, three days later, it's the third day. His body's gone. Like, we can't find it. It's missing. And they're like, we can't piece it together. We don't understand what's going on. We can't figure out. Now, let me just say, I think that this is one of the evidences that the Bible is very, very, very legitimate. Because one of the things I love about the Bible, man, if you haven't read the Bible, you really need to read the Bible. It is, it is fascinating. But one of the things I love about the Bible is that it never tries to omit things that are very, very, very real. And one of those things that the Bible doesn't try to omit is how slow the disciples were to accepting and to believing that Jesus really rose from the dead. Now, I wish I had more time to get into this, but if you've ever read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you've never read the biographies of Jesus, I would encourage you to do that. But one of the things that you'll notice is that over and over again, repeatedly, Jesus explicitly told his disciples, you guys, here's what's going to happen. We're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be crucified. On the third day, I'm going to raise from the dead. As explicitly as I just told that to you right now, Jesus told his disciples to that, that same thing often, several times. So Jesus would take his disciples to the side. He'd be like, all right, guys, here's the deal. We're going to Jerusalem, right? We're going to, going to J-Town. And then once we get there, I'm going to die crucified, right? And it's going to be a big bummer. And then he says, but listen, on the third day, one, count it with me, got one, two, three, on the third day, I'm going to raise from the dead. And he said this to his disciples several times. Hey, guys, guys, Jerusalem, crucifixion, like betrayed and all that kind of thing, crucified. Third day, I'm going to raise from the dead. And then here's what happened. The Bible says that he went to Jerusalem and he was crucified. And now it's the third day. And where are his disciples? And wouldn't you expect that his disciples would be standing outside of the tomb like 10, 9, like 8, like wouldn't you? <laughs> but they're not. Where are they? They're hiding. They're walking home. That's what his disciples are doing. Why? Here's why. And I want you to catch this. I want you to catch this. Because just like me and you, these people had no, absolutely no category for a resurrection from the dead. It was so outside of the limits of their logic. There was no place for them to believe that. So when Jesus said those things about himself, they probably just assumed he was speaking hyperbolically or symbolically or spiritually because let's be honest, Jesus is always doing that anyway. So I don't know, he said something, we don't understand it. They were slow to understand it. So Jesus is walking with these disciples and they're like, yeah, we, we can't figure it out. He died and we can't figure out his body's gone and we don't know what happened. Maybe someone stole it, who knows, who knows? And so now Jesus speaks up. Jesus comes in. Here's what he says. How foolish you are. How foolish you are. How slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things so that he could enter into his glory? 
And look at this. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all of the scriptures concerning himself. Now, let me just explain this real quick. Um, When the Bible says Moses and the prophets and the scriptures, what that's referring to, by the way, is the Old Testament, okay? Some of you might know this. Uh, The first five books of the Old Testament uh, are sometimes called the Torah. So that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Okay, that's the, the first five books. Those are called the books of Moses, all right? Then you have the prophets in the Old Testament. That's like Isaiah and Jeremiah and like Habakkuk and Hosea. There's a bunch of different prophets that are there. And then the scriptures, that refers to the whole body of the Old Testament. So, so what, what's the Bible saying here? Well, here's what the Bible is saying. It's saying for, that, for this seven-mile walk, whatever remained of it, that for two hours or however much time that he had, the Bible says that Jesus spent the rest of this time unfolding to these two disciples what the Bible said concerning himself. He went through the whole thing and explained how it all pointed to him. Can I just tell you, man, if I could be present on any walk, I wish I could have been on that one. If I can download any podcast in heaven, I want to download this one, your Old Testament survey with Jesus. That's what I want to listen to and what he had to say about it. The Bible says this, as they approached the village to which they were going, I don't know, I thought this was kind of humorous. Jesus continued on as if he were going further. So they're walking and then they're like, okay. And Jesus is like, all right, guys, great conversation, peace, I'm out of here. And the Bible says that they urged him strongly. They said, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. Now, I want you just to notice this. Keep this in the back of your mind because this is important. The Bible says that it was nearly evening and the day was almost over. So he went in and he stayed with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he began to give it to them. Now, watch this. At that moment, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. So when that happened, when he broke bread, all of a sudden they were like, oh my gosh, it's him, it's Jesus. Like, we've been walking and talking with Jesus. And then the moment they realized that, this is great, he disappeared. I don't know how he did that, the Bible. I don't know if he just, like, ducked under the table or if he just, you know, like, dematerialized. I don't know. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say, but he's just gone to gone. And so the disciples, I guess, are just sitting there. And I'm, I'm guessing they probably, I mean, I don't know what you would do. They probably just looked at each other for a long time. And then finally, probably after looking at each other for a really long time, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he was on the road and he talked to us and he opened up the scriptures to us? So they look at each other, they're like, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked to us on the road? Now, I, I got to tell you, I've come to love this little statement right here. Our hearts were burning within us. And the reason is, I think it puts to words an experience that's very hard to put words to. But I think for many of us in this room, you probably know what he's talking about. I know what he's talking about. Maybe you've experienced this before. Has there ever been a time when you've been reading the Bible, reading the scriptures, when you've been listening to a sermon, you've been listening to someone teach the Bible, and as it happened in that moment, your heart began to burn within you? something inside of your heart began to pull and it was almost like there's something inside of you that was just saying, man, there's something about this that's, that's true. Something about this that's real. There's something about this that's different. There's something about this that's eternal. There's something about this that's worth my attention and there's something inside of you that burns, that burns inside. And for some of you, even, even right now, in this moment, as we're looking at these words, come on, man, these aren't my words. 
even as we're looking at these, for some of you, man, there's something inside of you that's just pulling and it's just tugging and it's just burning inside of you. What is that? What is that? Well, can I suggest to you that maybe like these disciples, maybe Jesus is nearer than you think he is. Maybe he's closer than you realize. So watch what happens next. The Bible says they got up, <clears throat> they returned at once to Jerusalem, and they found the 11, the, uh, the 11 disciples. Remember, there was kind of the big 12 disciples, and then Judas betrayed Jesus, and so now there's 11. They found the 11, those with them assembled, and they said, it's true, the Lord has risen. Now, I want you to notice this detail right here. The Bible says they returned at once to Jerusalem. They return at once. Now, I want you to think about this with me, all right? Remind me, how far is Jerusalem from Emmaus? Tell me, how many miles? Seven miles. Remind me real quick, uh, what time of day is it right now? It's evening. It's nighttime now, okay? Remind me, where were they just coming from? Where did they just leave from? Jerusalem. Now, let me ask you this question. What would cause two people, two disciples, who were walking home from Jerusalem after a seven-mile walk to say, we got to get up at once, and we got to go back. We got to go back. This can't wait till the morning. This can't wait until we get a good night of sleep. This can't wait till we're rested up. We got to go, and we got to go now. We got to go at once, and we got to get it back to Jerusalem. What would cause them to do that? Let me ask you this question. What would cause two people who, who, who were disciples of Jesus, who the Bible says they had inconsolable sorrow, to go from inconsolable sorrow in the span of two hours for that to turn into incomprehensible joy, where their hearts are burning within them, where in verse 41, it's going to go on to say they were full of joy and amazement. What could cause an emotional 180 like that? could cause that? What could cause these two people who just a minute ago said that they believed Jesus was a dead prophet, a dead teacher, and a dead humanitarian. To by the end of this chapter, they're worshiping him as if he's the son of God. What could make that happen? And here's the answer. It's the resurrection. It's that Jesus rose from the dead. And all of a sudden, the possibility, if he rose, begin to sink in. You see, for these people, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was not some isolated historical event that had no bearing on their life. It changed everything. When they realized that, man, Jesus had raised, it changed everything. Listen, I would say the same thing is true for you and I. If Jesus rose from the dead, that has life-changing implications. And one of the big reasons is because it says something. It says something about Jesus. I just want you to think about it with me for a minute. Just think about this. Okay? Just kind of review a little bit. If Jesus is dead, if Jesus is dead, right, that's what these disciples thought, I think we could probably logically deduce some of the same conclusions they did. Right? And that's this. If Jesus is dead, then let's just be honest. The things he said are interesting, but ultimately untrustworthy. Right? If, Jesus, if Jesus is dead, just think about it. What he said, without a doubt, is interesting, fascinating stuff, good teaching, but ultimately untrustworthy. Why? Well, because Jesus said some great stuff. Like Jesus said things like, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, Jesus said things like, uh, we should help the poor. We should, we should not treat the poor with contempt to look out for orphans and widows. Like Jesus said those things, right? Those are good things to say. But let's be honest. He also said some crazy stuff. He said stuff like, I and the Father am one. He said things like, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through. He said things like, I'm going to raise from the dead. And if he didn't rise from the dead, if he actually is dead, that means that what he said is interesting, but you don't know what you can trust and what you can't trust because some of it was all a lie. It's all fabrication. It was all hoax, right? If Jesus is dead, following him leads nowhere. It's a dead-end street, man. And just like these disciples, they had put their hope in Christ. And when Jesus died, they assumed that their hopes were dead with him. And so they were sad and they were downcast. And in the same way, if Jesus is dead, following him leads nowhere. It's a terrible place to put your hope. Jesus is a terrible place to put your hope if he's dead. And then lastly, what they concluded, and I think we conclude the same thing. Jesus is dead. We might as well go home. Like we might as well just go home. But can we, just, can we just be honest for a second here? If Jesus is dead, why, why do this? Like, why, why get together and, like, have all this stuff, like, sing these songs? Why would you get up, put your kids in dress clothes? You guys know that's a nightmare, right? Why would, why would, you, why would you come here and listen to some guy talk? I mean, he's undoubtedly attractive. Like, that's a side. And I'd be like, <laughs> why? But, like, honestly, why? Like, seriously, why would we do? This is not, would this not be the biggest waste of time? Wouldn't this just be the biggest waste of time? Why wouldn't we just go home? I'm sure there's a game on. There's always a game on. I'm sure there's something on Netflix you could watch. I'm sure. Watch a documentary on, on the moon landing, whatever, right? So why wouldn't we just go home? If Jesus rose from the dead, this is a waste of our time. It's a waste of our time. But if he did raise from the dead, if he is alive because he rose from the dead, that means some stuff. That means that everything he said is validated. Everything that Jesus said checks out if he rose from the dead. Everything he said about life, everything he said about death, everything he said about afterlife, everything he said about marriage, everything he said about family, everything he said about money, everything he said about generosity, everything he said about everything checks out if he rose from the dead. I love the way Tim Keller put it. He's an author and pastor from New York City. He said this, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. And if he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching and whether or not he rose from the dead. So the real issue isn't, do you like what Jesus said? Do you, do you enjoy his teaching and do you prescribe to that? That's not the question. The question is, did he raise from the dead or didn't he? Because if he didn't, who cares what he said? But if he did, well, then, man, that validates everything that he said. The second thing it means, if Jesus rose from the dead, it means he's unique above everybody else. He's one of a kind. He's not another prophet. He's not another teacher. He's not just another humanitarian. He's in a league of his own. Because, come on, let's be honest, most people stay dead. And if Jesus rose from the dead, well, that means that he didn't just defy death. That means he didn't just deny death. That means that he destroyed death. And that says something unique about him, unique about him. And ultimately, it leads to this. What that means for you and me is it means that following him is worth your life. Following him is worth everything. That he is worthy then that for you to worship and for you to bow your life down to him and to follow him. That's, that's what it all boils down to. That's why these disciples ran back to Jerusalem. Because it, what, they said, you know what? We don't need to go home. This is actually worth everything. They ran back.
So if Jesus rose from the dead, what does that mean? It says something about Jesus. It says something powerful about him, and it says something important for you and for me. I'm going to ask the band to come up, and as the band settles in, I actually just want to kind of end our time here today before we sing and, and we get a chance to do that. I want to end our time by just, I want to address just three audiences here today as we close out this first part of our conversation. Okay, so the first audience I want to just talk to is for anyone in the room today who is skeptical. So if you if you're, would put yourself in that category, maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you're not a church person or you used to be a church person, but then something happened along the way or whatever, and maybe you're in that category where you're just you're trying to figure it out. And, you're, and maybe you're saying, you know what, man, I wish I could accept what you're saying, but I, I just can't blindly accept things. Like I know that a lot of Christians just blindly accept, I can't do that. And if that's the case, listen to me, I'm not, I am not asking you to blindly accept anything. Don't be naive. Don't blindly accept anything. But I would encourage you, I would really encourage you, if, if you're a skeptic, look into this. Look into it, okay? And, and, and I wish we had, this might be another sermon for another day. I wish we had all the time to get into this. But the evidences that exist for a historical, bodily, literal resurrection of Jesus Christ, that the evidences that exist are, are amazing. There's incredible evidence that's out there. And I would just say this, the evidence that exists has satisfied some of the greatest minds in human history. So look into it. Don't just let this be something that sits on the back burner. One of these days, I'm gonna to get to it. I would reckon to you that this question, did Jesus rise from the dead, is the most important question you can answer. Because if he didn't, who cares? Who cares? But if he did, that changes everything. I just want to let you know, if you're a skeptic, we would love to have you for the rest of this conversation. And one of the things I also would really encourage you towards is we actually have a resource, a free resource available for you uh, at, out in our cafe. If you go to the welcome desk, there's this little book. It's tiny. You can see it. It's a really great read, though. It's called The Case for Easter, and it contains within it some of the greatest evidences for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I would just encourage you, if you're a person that's investigating that, go grab this, okay? It's for free. You can have it. It's at our Welcome Center out there. And I will just mention there are a limited supply of these, and so please leave these for people who are truly investigating that. But if you are really for real investigating, take a copy, please. It's a gift from us to you. And on the inside of this, by the way, there's a spot where you can text or email us. And if you have further questions, man, we'd love to sit down and have coffee with you. We think this is the most important thing ever. And so we'd love to take the time. To, to discuss that with you. Okay, audience number two. If you're a person who your heart is burning within you, as we're reading these passages, as we're looking at this, man, there's, something, there's just something inside of you that is burning and that is pulling. Maybe you're a person that's not been, to the, been in the church. Maybe this is the first time you've been in the church. And as we're reading through the Bible, man, this, there's something inside of you that's just going, man, this, there's something about this that's just true. There's something about this that's just real and your heart, your heart is, is burning within you as we read these words. Listen, if, I, if you're having that experience, can I just tell you what we think that is, okay? We actually believe that if Jesus rose from the dead, then that means he's alive. And that means his spirit is present. And if that's the case, we believe that quite honestly, what that experience might be is that the resurrected Jesus is trying to get your attention. That Jesus might be more near than you think. And if that's happening to you right now, here's what we'd encourage you to do, all right? Just let him in. Invite him in. Open your heart. Because listen, if there's anything I know about Jesus, I know this. Jesus 
will do everything to make himself available to you. In fact, he has done everything to make himself available to you. But here's the one thing Jesus will never do. He will never force his way into your life. He's never just gonna muscle his way in there. You have to invite him in. And so if you feel that, that Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart here, even just this morning, man, I would just encourage you, open up to him. Invite him in. Say, Jesus, I'm open to you. Jesus, don't stiff arm him. Don't ignore it, right? But open up to him and, and invite him in. And listen, you can do that right now. You can do that. There's, you know, there's not some kind of weird, crazy, strange seance you have to do. It's between your heart and God's heart. You could just talk to him and you could say, Jesus, I want to open my life to you. I want to invite you in. Now, I, don't, I don't know where this is leading, but I just want to let you in. And I'll just tell you, if you do that, if you decide to invite Jesus in, would you do this? Would you just let someone know about that? Just let someone know. Let the person you came with know, your family know. Let our church family, we'd love to, love to know about that. You can, you can indicate it on your Connect card if you want to. And, and the only reason I encourage you to do that is because we want to help you discover what it means to follow Jesus. That's why we exist, is to help people follow Jesus. Love to partner with you in that. Last audience, for those of us who believe that Jesus rose from the dead, well, the man, we got something to sing about. We got something to sing about. And so I want you in these next minutes to sing loud and sing proud because this is the hallmark of our faith. We do not serve a dead king. We serve a king who is alive and who defeated death. And so that gives us a reason to sing loud. So I want you to sing. I don't care if your breath stinks. I don't care if you're not. And just sing it out because Jesus is alive. So let's stand together and let's pray and we'll get a chance to sing. Well, Jesus, I just want to say thank you for your resurrection. Thank you that you beat death. Thank you that you're unique above all others. If you rose from the dead, that changes the game. It changes everything. It changes our past. It changes our present. It changes our future. It changes our life. It's not just some you know, isolated historical event that doesn't have any bearing on our real life. It's a big deal. And so Jesus, I thank you that you've done everything to make yourself available to us. So I pray we'd invite you in, invite you in, God, invite you in, let you come and transform our lives. So thank you. So as we sing, God, there's a reason to sing because you're worthy, you're worthy of our praise. We just pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.